You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Thank you for listening to the Saturday edition of the Nick Luck Daily Podcast. With me, Charlotte Greenway, it's Friday the 24th of September. There's been quite a lot of hype building up towards the arc this week, with Christos Sumion announced as jockey of race favourite Tanawa, and then William Buick confirmed this morning that he will ride Derby and King George hero Adeyar over Hurricane Lane. George Bowie trained his 100th winner this week, which is a remarkable feat considering when he started training just over two years ago, he had just four horses in the yard. He's had a fantastic season with Mystery Angel finishing second in the Oaks and two Group 3 winning two-year-olds in France, one of whom was Corazon, who runs in this weekend's Cheevy Park Stakes and will be joined by stablemate Thunder Love. Nick spoke to George on Thursday morning and asked realistically what sort of chances they both have. I think Corazon is a filly who, well, obviously they're both stepping up six furlongs for the first time. Um, Corazon's surprised us. Uh, we went to France hoping that she might pinch a bit of black type and, and she got a very good ride from Mikel Barcelona and won. But to then come back eight days later in the Flying Childers, having travelled from France to England, to then, you know, very nearly win the Flying Childers, I think, you know, she is more than capable at this level, I think. Um, William Buick said that if he had a bit of company, she might have she might have won the Flying Children. She was only beaten two necks, so um, she should run a very big race, I think. And then Thunderlove, um, she wasn't even two when she won her first two two-year-old races at the start of the year, and we gave her a break through the summer so she could be ready for these sort of races. Um, the ground's drying at Newmarket every hour, and she wants it the quicker the better. So I think they're two live each-way chances. Frankie Dettori's decision to ride Magical Morning over Uncle Bryn in Saturday's Cambridgeshire at Newmarket surprised a fair few people this week. And although Lydia advised this morning that Magical Morning was her bet of the weekend, Lee Mosshead seemed less convinced when discussing the decision on Thursday. It comes as a surprise to this Racing Post journalist, Nick. Yeah, I mean, I'd have, I'd have thought that Uncle Bryn has the look of your, well, not quite your textbook John Gosden uh, Cambridgeshire winner, um, but he, he has a feel of being a, a potentially progressive, unexposed horse in that like, I remember listening to the Podnik back in April um, when you're interviewing Andrew Black. And at that point, they had the Derby dream. Um, now, the Derby dream was pretty quickly extinguished in the Epsom trial and, and then again at York. But he he returned um, a very different horse to win at Ascot last time, albeit in a, in a relatively ordinary race, but that thrust him towards the top of the Cambridgeshire betting. And it is interesting that Frankie ha- is deserting a horse who has been pretty much 92-5-2 favourite for the Cambridgeshire and has gone for a horse who is available as we speak now, Nick, at uh, early morning, but probably not now, but on the pod comes out at 14-1. to 1. Um, A horse, Magical Morning, who is a very... A solid horse and ran a PB last time in that big one-mile handicap at the Ebor Festival, but doesn't look like a one of those Gosden Cambridgeshire winners who will progress to 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 high group company. Um, it looks like Frankie is playing the solid safe bet over the potential wild card, and that might that might um, pay dividends. And if it does, it was a really wise choice. 
if Uncle Brim wins, it wasn't. Yeah, he doesn't make too many bad choices, does he? Sometimes he gets put on wrong horses, but he doesn't he doesn't step the wrong side of the line too much when it comes to to picking the right horse. It, no, he doesn't. And and I think w- with the best will in the world, it's got to be a concern if you fancy Uncle Brim because the fact that Frankie has picked, as I say, a solid but unspectacular horse over Uncle Brin would, in my head, tell me as much about what he thinks of Uncle Brin as it does what he thinks of of Magical Morning. Um, so it is a it it would be a concern. Certainly, Uncle Brin, um, the horse earlier in the season anyway, was it was a bit tricky. Um, and perhaps Frankie just doesn't think he's a sort of horse who will appreciate the huge field cavalry charge that the the Cambridgeshire is. But it's a big call. Also at Newmarket this weekend is Middle Park Stakes, for which Richard Farhi's Perfect Power is a warm favourite, and Christoph Sumion keeps the ride after success in the morning last time. He was very impressive that day, however Dr Zempf looks to be improving, and will be trying to be part of a Jair Lions Group 1 double with Sacred Bridge in the Cheveley Park. This week, Ruby Walsh was involved in helping to launch a new app, Leafyard, for the benefit of Irish jockeys with regards to their mental health. And Nick caught up with Ruby on Thursday to ask him what prompted his involvement. Rich Ritchie put me in touch with a man called Phil Simmons a couple of months ago. And Phil had invested in and helped create an app called Leafyard, which was designed to help people who had mental health issues or were having problems with mental health. So um, I got in touch with Phil and he walked me through the whole process of the app. Now, I thought it was extremely simple and how it worked. Um, I thought it asked you good questions. Your answers directed you. Your answer directed the app where to bring you to the next question. And once your session was over, the app came back to remind you to go back in the following week. To me, it was being able to talk to somebody without having to go to an appointment or without having to make an appointment. It came to you. I thought it was pretty simple, very easy. So I approached Michael Higgins and the Irish Indian Jockeys Fund. I'm the chairman of it. And um, I asked him what he thought. He had a look at it. And we said it to Jennifer Pugh at the IHRB. She liked it as well. And they have basically run with it since. Um, they rolled it out on a trial basis to all the jockeys in Ireland at the start of the summer. There was a huge, uh, a pretty substantial uptake in it from the jockey population. But it was the amount of riders who were... Re- the reoccurring use was the was the big thing. 88% of those riders who sound, signed up are still using it. So I think the proof is in the, is in the eating of anything. And... Therefore, to me, it looks like it's working. So the IHRB are going to roll it out for trainers next um, here in Ireland. It's, it's really interesting. Just give me an example. So if you, you have the app on your phone and you you press the, the, the launch page, so you, you open it up, What what's the first thing you see? Um, it asks you about how your day went, mood, how you're feeling. Um, it's pretty simple. It's It's and almost multiple choice answers, but each answer will direct you to the next question, but the next question it's going to ask you. And depending on how, I suppose, low or high your answers are, it's the direction it sends you in. And it just seems to answer your problems. (laughs) And it really is quite simple. Now, look, it's not for everybody, and people who would be really depressed it will refer on to an in, to a 
to a proper professional um, it doesn't it's not going to help everybody but it will find people who are suffering worse than others and um, it will help people who just need somebody to talk to I was back at Watership Downstead again for part four of our running series, this time to speak to their vet, Alistair Welch, about the part he plays in getting the yearlings ready for book one, and started by asking what his role entails. The sort of prep bit in the, the immediate pre-sale bit involves, I suppose, two parts. The, the It's not regulated as such, but the sort of more official part where we're looking at things that are probably required to take the horses to the sale, a set of radiographs, um, an endoscopic examination of its upper airway, uh, listen to its heart, look at its eyes, check it's got two testicles if it's a male, that sort of thing. Um, that's the sort of the more official part so that every more or less every horse that goes to book one will have that done in advance of the sale. And then there's the sort of the ad hoc bits for individuals. Well, that horse has it's got a bit of a, a swollen leg that needs some sort of treatment or, or that one has had a sore foot, we have to deal with it. So there's, there's, there's two parts to it, the... the the bit that everyone, every horse goes through and then the ad hoc bits, which are hopefully far, few and far between um, and um, everything in between, as it were. The radiographs that you take at the stud for each yearling, as you mentioned, will then be available to everyone at the sales as they're in the repository. But what sort of shots are you taking and how many? There's a sort of standard set of radiographs that's pretty much worldwide accepted that we would do front fetlocks, knees, hind fetlocks, hocks and stifles. 36 individual images is a sort of typical set. They are they are standard projections, so everyone takes them in the same way and they are therefore readable by anyone nowadays around the world. So, so they go into a repository, but images can be bounced around the world for second, third, fourth opinion, as it were. Um, but the, the, the set is fairly well standardised and we're, we... Because this has been done for a number of years, there are a group of abnormalities that we would find, or hopefully not find, um, where we have an ability to not... You can't predict the future on an individual basis, but you can say to a purchaser, look, this has X or Y wrong with it, um, and there's a a small chance, a medium chance, as it were, of of this being a problem, or actually, it does look abnormal, but actually we see these all the time, and they're not a problem. So it's, it's a little bit like, I suppose, footballers who have pre-sale medicals you you look inside the, the the horse to see are there any abnormalities we would be concerned about and and you know guide the purchaser accordingly these yearlings are still so young and growing so are there common abnormalities that you see when looking at these radiographs yeah there is so so in the the sort of fetus the the bones are essentially cartilaginous and they they transform into bone over a sort of a specified period depending on which bone it is um, and that transformation from cartilage into bone occasionally goes wrong and there are a group of development, developmental abnormalities that we see frequently and they occur usually in the same place. So there are certain positions of the skeleton that we will see frequent abnormalities and, and the, the set of radiographs we've taken have been tailored to try and highlight the common things. So there will always be a, a, a rarity that is missed on a, a standard set of radiographs but that is the rarity the radiographs are set up such that we hopefully pick up the common abnormalities or, or alternatively we don't see any. We can send the set, send the horse to the sales with a set of clean radiographs and say, look, actually, have a look. There's nothing wrong with it. We're, we're happy with it. 
Notoriously, Hong Kong buyers are very hot when it comes to looking at radiographs. Their horses are trained on a firmer surface and need to withstand training. So what are they picking up on that possibly others don't? Uh, it's not so much picking up that other people don't, but probably interpreting those lesions more harshly. So the, to understand whether an abnormality is of concern, what we have done, I say we, we the veterinary profession, over a number of years have taken sets of radiographs and then looked at the results these horses have produced in terms of number of starts, earnings per start. There are, there are massive statistical analysis you can do and you can, with some confidence, predict that a horse who has this lesion or, or that lesion will, on average, start less frequently than its peers who don't have that. And I think it's uh, historically Hong Kong perhaps had were sent horses with problems and that's why their regime has been developed such that they are they don't the, the cost to import a horse into Hong Kong to get a license and, and all, all the sort of effort to take a horse halfway across the world is such that if there are abnormalities that will limit its career it might not you know prevent it from running but it'll make it run less frequently or on average less frequently on average will earn less if there are abnormalities that we know from a statistical point of view, that horse on average might have that problem, um, they are more likely to reject it and favour one that has no radiographic abnormalities. And you mentioned earlier that you'll perform an endoscopic examination of each yearling's airway, which is graded on a scale. You'll record the video footage of what you've seen, which is then added to the repository for prospective buyers and vets to access. But what insight can this offer? If you go to the sales, there's about four different scales Different practices use different scales, different continents use different scales, and they all have slightly different meanings. The difficulty with all of them is that we are looking at the horse's airway at rest, um, and we now recognise that whilst it's a bit of a guide, um, the advent of dynamic endoscopy, so the ability to look at horse's airway at exercise, has demonstrated that what we see at rest does not necessarily equate to what we see at exercise. It's definitely not useless, but it's less helpful than we thought it was 10, 15 years ago. We recognise that a horse can have a a relatively average scope at rest and yet is fine at exercise and equally can have a normal scope at rest um, and has a problem at exercise. So it's it's a guide, but it's it's no more than that. What it does do is if you have a horse who has really quite significant, um, particularly laryngeal, paralysis or paresis um, so the, the left side of the larynx and in, in the horse, in the thoroughbred the, the left side of the, the larynx is the one that's almost always affected and if you were to, to look at the brainstem of, of thoroughbreds under the microscope they will all be slightly abnormal to a lesser or greater degree um, and if you have a, a pre-sales endoscopic examination it acts as a filter such that horses who do have significant problems are not presented to the sale uh, and it doesn't waste everyone's time. These are rare horses, we don't see them very often, but occasionally you'll have a young horse who is apparently entirely normal from the outside, but for whatever reason has developed quite severe laryngeal paralysis quite early in its life, uh, and that isn't really a sales prospect. These yearlings are being exercised for the first time during yearling prep, and so do you see common problems occurring from a veterinary point of view? If you have a horse with perfect confirmation that moves very well, then hopefully we don't have any confirmational associated lamenesses, 
but if you've got a horse that's not quite correct, when you put it into exercise, that's when you know a curb will appear, or you know that's just an example, but something will 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 occur. Just to pick up on the curb, you hear people say they're a sign of weakness or poor conformation, but how significant can they be? If we're being really boring technically about it, it's probably swelling of the plantar fascia at the back of the hock. Um, and typically, they don't often, they often don't really cause a problem from a racehorse point of view. Um, when they form, they're often hot and sore, um, and the horse might be lame for a little while, but once they have formed and are firm and non-painful, typically they're, they're not a problem. So it's if it happens to occur during prep then it's a bit boring because the horse needs a bit of time off or if it happens to occur during a particular part of the season then it might need a bit of a break but mostly they're not that not that big a deal it's it's a well recognized sort of historically named swelling of the hawk of which there are, there are many of them but it, of those that are there that's probably one of the more minor ones there are other swellings that we'd be more concerned about well, Alistair, thank you very much for giving us your insight into the yearling prep process here at Walsh It Down for book one. And thank you very much for your time. Don't forget that part five of this series will be released next Friday morning when Nick will be learning more about the importance of nutrition and feed when trying to get these yearlings to peak physically at the sales. Before I go, I'll remind you that, as I mentioned earlier, Lydia's tip for the weekend is Magical Morning in the Cambridgeshire on Saturday. And she's got a pretty good tipping record on this podcast. Let's hope that tip comes in. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you'll have a great weekend and enjoy the racing. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. Mm-hmm.